Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking the giving link located in the description below this video, online at fellowshipgj.com, or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring our message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's service. Good morning, Fellowship Church. How many of you glad to be here? How many of y'all have a testimony? You know, that's all of us. While we were preparing for this service, I started thinking, you know, we all have a testimony. I woke up this morning with breath in my body, with breath in my lungs. Guess what? That is your testimony. If you woke up alive, let's praise him this morning. Amen. Come on, let's give praise. Hallelujah. Put your hands together. Come on.
feel your presence in this place right now. And we feel, Jesus, that there's a space to lay down whatever we're carrying right now. So God, I ask that you would move through this room and that you would help your people to release what they're holding on to, to drop the weight, to release the weight and to run straight into you. And right now, God, we come against hesitation because of the unknown. Because God, I take the unknown with you every day over the known without you. So we're running into your arms, Jesus. Check out everything that we've got going on here at Fellowship. Good morning, church family. Welcome to Fellowship Church. We are so grateful that you're here in the building with us. We love spending our Sundays with you. We also want to welcome everybody joining us online. We're so grateful that we can reach so many people across the world and in our local community, whether you're on vacation, at home, sick, whatever it is, we're just grateful that we get to spend our Sunday with you as well. We also would love to take the moment to welcome all of the guests and visitors, whether you're joining us online or in the room. We want to say thank you for choosing to spend the day with us. We love having new faces and new families around. So if you would take a moment to text fellowship to 94,000, that'll get you plugged into our system. A staff member will contact you and we'll get you signed up for the guest reception, answer any questions you may have. And if you're here with us in person, we'd love to invite you to stop by our information center out in the lobby. We'll get you some information about the church as well as a free gift, which is a special specialty drink for you and everyone in your visiting party from our coffee shop, just as a way to say welcome and thank you for joining us at Fellowship Church. 
Church family, we're going to continue worshiping now with the giving of tithe and offering. So we hope you've come prepared to worship the Lord in that way today. As always, all of your giving options are going to be here on the screen. You can scan that code and that'll take you to our Church Center app um, where you can give on there as well as you can text tithe, follow that number on the screen. You can drop it in a physical offering box here at the church or you can drop it by in the middle of the week with a tithe envelope. But we are so grateful we have a culture of generosity here at Fellowship Church. People who give and understand the mission of what we're trying to do here, which is further the gospel in our mission field, which is Grand Junction. So let me pray over you as you give this morning. Jesus, we just thank you so much. God, we ask that you would expand our territory, that you would bless us indeed, that you would keep your hand on us and that you would keep us from evil, God. And as everybody gives and worships you this morning, God, we just ask that you would meet them where they're at. God, give them double for their trouble, open the windows of heaven on them and pour out your blessings. God, we thank you so much and we hope that you are honored by what it is we brought today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We always have a lot going on here at Fellowship Church. One of those things going on is happening today, tonight at 6 p.m. And it's our church-wide worship night. It's going to be so much fun. We love getting together as the body of Christ and worshiping God together in such a mighty and powerful way. So tonight at 6 p.m. here in the main auditorium, you don't need tickets or anything like that. Just come and get filled up with some worship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. October 6th through the 8th is going to be our marriage retreat, and this is going to happen in Breckenridge, Colorado. We're going to stay at the Doubletree Hotel at the base of the ski resort. It's going to be beautiful, right in fall, right in the changing of the colors. Don't miss out on this event. It's going to be $425 per couple, and that gets you uh, the stay at the hotel as well as all of the course and curriculum materials, all of that. It's going to be such a special time for us to get together as a church family and really center our marriages around God. So don't miss out on the marriage retreat treat sign up on the church center app coming up very soon july 22nd through the 24th is our super kids conference this event is for um, our kids church kiddos grades second through going into sixth grade it's going to be a fun-filled stay-at-home weekend of learning about jesus playing games making lifelong friends here at the church so there is still room to sign up for this event it has a cost of 75 dollars now if cost is prohibitive we do have scholarships available so please come talk to us at the info center or back in the children's wing we really want your student to be there. Please sign up on the Church Center app for this event. There are spots available, but they will go fast. So don't hesitate. Don't wait. Sign up your second through sixth grade kiddo today. As always, church family, if you want to stay updated with what's going on here at Fellowship, you can check it out on our website, fellowshipgj.com events. That'll get you all the information you need about all of the events, signups, everything we have going on. Enjoy the message. Well, we get to start our new series today, Jesus Encounters. Now, I don't know, do you guys, do you ever watch the movie Close Encounters? Yeah, it was like, I don't know, some of us are old enough to know what that is. That's kind of what we took that after. A Pastor Tim Roseberry production is supposed to be kind of like a movie thing. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we're really, really pumped, and God is doing some really good stuff already through this series in the 9 o'clock service. And when you think about Jesus Encounters, you think about the fact that we've all had them. We probably wouldn't be sitting where we're sitting if we hadn't had some type of encounter with Jesus. Not only have we had that encounter, but most likely somebody was involved with us in that encounter. You think about what, with your salvation or, or maybe a, a deliverance experience or with somebody ministering, taking part of that encounter you had with Jesus. And when you have those encounters, they change your life. Salvation changes your life. Maybe you've had some health scares and you needed healing and, and you got that healing from the Holy Spirit. You got that from Jesus. I mean, that changes your life when it comes to deliverance or, or maybe, maybe you were in an accident and you shouldn't even be here if it weren't for that Jesus encounter. Well, the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at those encounters and we're going to be looking specifically about biblical stories where people had physical encounters with Jesus. Where we have a spiritual encounter, these people actually met and came face to face with Jesus themselves. And as a result, their life was never the same again. 
We pick up this morning in John chapter 4, a famous scripture, one that has been taught and, and studied for years. Uh, we see, starting in verse 1, the Bible says, Jesus knew, the Pharisees had heard, that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Speaking of John the Baptist. And the Pharisees were the religious sect of the, of the time, and they, they were after Jesus, and they were trying to be critical of him, and they were trying to, you know, discredit him. And so Jesus kind of tried to stay away from the religious and, and minister to those uh, that, that needed it, that would accept him. Now, of course, he wasn't doing the baptizing. It was actually his disciples that were doing the baptizing. But because of who Jesus was and all of these people having encounters with him, the spreading of the gospel was happening like wildfire. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way, according to verse 4. Now, some scripture says that he needed to go through Samaria. So which is it? Did he, did he have to? Did he need to? I think the truth is that it was both. He had to from a geographical situation, because if you're going to get from one point to the other, you had to go through Samaria unless you wanted to go around the country and just add a bunch of hours to your trip. But I think he needed to go because he knew he, who he was going to encounter and what that was going to do. He knew that, that what he was getting ready to experience with this woman at the well was going to be taught about for centuries. Verse 5, eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sakar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from his long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. So he's at a historical place. This is a place where Jacob, way back in the Old Testament, had given a gift to his son Joseph in this well. And so he's sitting next to it. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Now, I believe that everyone needs a Jesus encounter. I believe that everybody needs to have an encounter with Christ, a life-changing moment with our Savior. Now, many times God uses us to be a part of those Jesus encounters if we don't get in the way. Have you noticed sometimes we can get in the way when it comes to, to, to telling others about Christ? You think about your salvation experience. You know, the truth is, I don't even know if I would be saved today if it weren't for somebody that was walking me through that process. And for me, it was my parents. My parents were super involved in, in ministry. They were a part of Campus Crusade for Christ. They had a Bible study in their home. And this Bible study had all the teenagers uh, that were basically friends of, of my sisters and brothers. And those guys were older than me. My, my brothers and sisters were quite a bit older than me. And, and I was actually six or seven years old when they were all in high school. And so my parents had this group that would come in and it was, it was a huge, huge Bible study and they would teach the gospel of Christ. They would, they would help teenagers have Jesus encounters. And I remember at seven years old, one night being in that Bible study and they had a salvation time and that's where I received Christ. That's where I received Jesus. And it was really cool because the ministry that happened just from me doing that was really cool. Like I can say that, that my ministry started when I was seven years old because these teenagers saw a seven-year-old receive Jesus and they said and have told me since, if a seven-year-old can do this, I can do it. If a seven-year-old can, can make this decision for Christ and can understand it, then I can too. And so you think about that, man, man my parents, they were, they were integral in that Jesus encounter. For the deliverances that I had in my life, the stuff that, that Jesus has saved me from, the stuff that were just like hot button sins and addictive type issues in my life, those deliverance, uh, uh, spiritual warfare times in my life were always with someone else. Like God used another person to help me with my Jesus encounter. And I think most of us could testify to that today. And we want to be a part of that. We want to be a part of other Jesus encounters. We would be fulfilling the Great Commission when we do that. That's what Jesus said. He says, look, I'm, I'm going away. When, you, when I leave, you guys need to go out. You need to baptize. You need to tell others about me. You need to get people saved. And so it should be in all of our hearts to be a part of those encounters. Now, Jesus in this scripture shows us some ways to cultivate the encounter without messing things up. I love that. And the first thing that, he's, that, he, that he shows in his, this scripture is don't argue. Don't argue with people. 
how come when we try to talk about Jesus, it so many times turns into arguments with others? Well, it's because that's the way the devil wants it. There's demonic influence that happens. And we know from scripture that we're not fighting against flesh and blood. So we're not fighting or arguing against people. But the Bible says that we're actually battling the demonic influence in that person against us. So it's, it's a spiritual thing. Demons influence those arguments. That is why people get so mad when you start talking about Jesus, because they are being influenced by the evil one. Now, when you argue, when it starts off that way, people just click closed off. They stop listening. They stop being teachable. And the devil knows that, so that's why he wants to do it. Now, we argue about a lot of things, right? We, we, we can argue about tons of stuff. And one of the things that we see this woman at the well start arguing with Jesus about is race. Race, race is, was a big deal then. Race is a big deal now. In Scripture, verse 9 says, The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. They did not like each other. Samaritans and Jews didn't want to have anything to do with each other. And so she says to Jesus, You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? You know, race is a man-made barrier. And the devil has used this since the beginning of time to cause division. And in this story, Jesus doesn't bite on it. Now you think about it, a lot of us have had situations when it comes to, to race or, or, or prejudice. I, I grew up in this thriving metropolis of Cortez, Colorado, population 8,000 people. And our school was not diverse when it came to race. I mean, large majority of the people that were there were white. We, of course, had some Native Americans, and we also had some Hispanic. But we didn't have very many African Americans. That was a very small, small minority. And so I didn't really understand, like, the whole race thing. I, I mean, I, I watched Roots in the 70s, so, you know, I'd, I'd seen that many series. That's about all I knew. And I went to Bible college. When I went to Bible college, I went to Bible college in the South. I went to Bible college in Missouri. And so I went and I had no clue what all of this strife and struggle was about. And early on that first semester, I actually started dating an Afri African-American girl. She was, she was awesome, just a sweet girl. She was on the, the, the cheerleading team and yeah, we just had this connection. And so we started to date and I didn't think anything about it. I didn't think anybody would have a problem with it. Boy, was I wrong, right? Boy, was I wrong. So I had white people mad at me for doing that. And I had black people mad at me for doing that. And she had white people mad at her for doing that. And also black people mad at her for doing that. Now, of course, wasn't the, the mass majority, but there was a pretty strong minority of people that let us have it as a result. And I just didn't get that. I couldn't understand that a bit because there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. And it's crazy because you go to a Bible college and you think people are going to be really grounded in, in biblical truths. A lot of times they're, they're grounded in the Bible, but they're not grounded in the truth behind the Bible. And I would have people that would say, well, God is telling people all throughout the Old Testament. He told his people, you do not intermarry. You do not mix. You do not go out with different races and, 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 and have, have, uh, have families with them. You don't do that. So why are you doing it? It's like he, he, God didn't tell us to not do that because of race. He told us not to do it, or he told the Jews not to do that because the people that they were intermarrying with didn't believe in him. It wasn't about race, it was about belief. And so, and, and Jesus still stands by that. And scripture still stands by that. We're still, we're not, we're not supposed to be unequally yoked. Unequally yoked has nothing to do with race. It has everything to do with the person you're dating or marrying and who they believe in. Those people were a part of cults. Those people were, were pagan in nature. And that's why God said, hey, don't do that. Don't go there. Wow, the, what a wake-up call for me. What, what a huge wake-up call for me. Like I said, Jesus doesn't buy into this. He handles this situation super good in Scripture. But the truth is, is bigotry and racism is demonically influenced. It's a man-made barrier with demonic influence, and the devil is running with that now in our society like crazy. So race. She starts off arguing with him with race, and then she starts arguing with him with reason. The Bible says in verse 10, Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But sir, 
You don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here to get water. And of course, she was speaking from the physical view. She was talking about literal water and he was speaking of a spiritual view or spiritual water. He was talking about salvation, something only he could give. So she starts to reason with him. Then she starts to talk religion with him. Verse 20, so tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship? Why we, uh, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshiped. And you want a conversation killer? Start talking about religion, right? That'll just do it. And, and, and guys, so many times we, and we hear this a lot, like, oh, you're a religious person. You're a religious person. I'm not, I'm not a religious person. I'm a Christian. I'm about relationship. It's about a relationship with Jesus, not about a religious stuff of do's and don'ts. And so there's a separation there. But when people start talking about religion, oh, it divides. It's also a man-made barrier. Religion has always been man's way to get to God. Christ is God's way to get to man. And so Jesus in this scripture is just like, ah, it's not about God. It's not about like where you worship. It's not about it. It's not about that. So he, he moves the conversation. And it's really incredible because Titus chapter three, verse nine, I, I believe that the author of Titus actually took this scripture from the story of, of Matt, uh, John chapter four, because he says in Titus three, nine, but avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, and striving about the law for they are unprofitable and useless. Genealogies are race, contentions are reason, and striving about the law is religion. Race, reason, and religion. So don't argue. Jesus doesn't argue. What does he do? He just talks. He just talks. That's what we have to do. We just need to talk. Verse seven, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He starts off with something they both have in common. They were both thirsty. And also Jesus knew where he was gonna go with this conversation. He could have gotten his own water. Like he, wasn't, he wasn't hurt. He wasn't injured. He wasn't so famished that he couldn't get to the well. No, he, he chose and asked her to do it, to open up this conversation, to open up this encounter. Now, sometimes we would just, it was, we don't really know where to go when we talk to people. We don't know what their interests are. I always tell people, talk to a person about what they're most interested in, which is themselves. Right? Everybody's interested in talking about themselves. And so when you find out about them, you start talking about them and it opens up this beautiful door. But, but what, do we t- what do we talk about when it comes to an encounter that will be the most effective? And what did Jesus talk to her about in this precious encounter he has with her? Well, the first thing he talks to her about is, is abundant life. And we can always talk about abundant life with people and they're good with it. Scripture says, uh, Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. So he's talking about abundant life there. Every person wants abundant life. Every person wants peace and joy and blessings. And nobody can argue with your story and how God has blessed you and taken care of you. They can't argue with that. I love this quote that, this, that, that this I read. It's just so true. But this guy says, you can have everything I have. He was, he was very blessed. He, he had so much favor on his life. He says, you can have everything I have if you're willing to do what I've done. And that all starts with Jesus. We can trace our blessing all the way back, our favor all the way back to that first Jesus encounter we had with him. 
Let's talk about abundant life. Talk about eternal life. Talk about eternal life. Verse 13 says, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. He's saying, hey, this worldly water, you're gonna be thirsty again. But the water I offer is eternal. Everyone has a God-shaped void in their life. We all have, we all have that need that only Jesus can fill. And everyone is interested in life after death. I don't care what they believe. I don't care what religion they are. I don't care if they don't have a religion is. The truth is they don't want to think about the fact that their time on this earth is the end. When they die on this earth, there is nothing after that. Nobody wants to think about that. I mean, how depressing is that? How, how awful would it be to not have a hope and a future? So when you start talking about eternal life, people perk up. That's why there's all these shows about these near-death experiences. And, and they're, they're so popular because people want to, like, what did you experience when you were on the, on the table and you, your heart stopped? What did you see? They want to know. So when you start showing, hey, there is life after this. Hey, there is a hope and there is a future. They become part of the conversation. Then there's sin. Okay, if you want to help somebody with wherever they're at in their life, Talk about what their struggles are. Now, we have to be really careful with this. And Jesus is masterful with what he does. It, in fact, a lot of times we read this scripture and we kind of read it from the standpoint of, oh, the poor woman at the well, and she just had it hard. And, you know, he was so sweet. The truth is, is she was a turkey. Like she was totally ornery up to this point. She's just arguing with him. She's just reasoning with him. She's just not being very respectful. And so Jesus gets to a point in verse, four, verse 16 where he's just kind of done. And he says this, he goes, hey, uh, go get your husband. Go get your husband. What you think? Well, that's kind of a wild thing. That's a, kind of a random uh, a, a way to go in the conversation. And she says, well, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, you're right. You don't have a husband for you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. Well, yeah, <laughs> he totally read her mail, totally knew what she was up to, totally knew about her past. But when we talk about people, when we start talking about sin, we have to start talking about our sin. Not their sin. We talk about our struggles, not their struggles. Because non-Christians already believe that Christians think that we are better than them. We think we're better than them. We, we think we got it going on. When in the truth is, no, we don't. Hey, we have the same background they do. We have the same history that they do. We have the same struggles. And when we are real and when we are authentic, all the walls come down. But if we act like we're something that we're not, the walls go up. So as you're talking to somebody, be real with them. Tell them about your struggles. Tell them about your past. Let that be a part of your ministry to that person and their Jesus encounter. Then he talks about his relationship with God. Yeah, just talk about God. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. So he's like, yeah, I'm just gonna take the whole religion thing out of it. It's not gonna matter. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship while we Jews know all about him. And he's talking about the fact that they studied it. They, they were very much about the word. The Jewish culture was all about memorizing the Torah and understanding the word of God. And then he says, for, the, for salvation comes through the Jews. And what he meant by that is that, you know, you don't have to become a Jew to become a Christian. You just have to believe in Jesus who was a Jew to become a Christian. But a time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will follow the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So what Jesus is doing there is he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about God. He's talking about, one of, he's talking about part of the Trinity. And he's saying, hey, it's better for me to just go and, and, and be with Jesus because when I leave, the Holy Spirit's gonna come. And you're going to have a whole new opportunity for encounter with me. Because there's a huge difference between living with the Holy Spirit in our lives and living without the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit changes everything. And then he talks about Jesus. 
In this moment, he's talking about himself. But if we start talking about Jesus, things change. The verse says, the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. It's me. I'm the one. And we need to talk about Jesus. We need to talk about what he did. What he did in in, in history, what he's done for us, what he's doing now in our lives and what he is going to do. Now, this is so important that we're a part of the encounter for others because we only have so much time on this earth. Right? We might have seven years, might have 80. But with where we're at, we might not even die in this room. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming, and it's according to his timeline. We can't control that. We can't shape that. We can't predict that. All we can do is be ready for it. We have got to make sure that we are doing everything that we have so that we can see others have their encounter with Jesus. Now, as a result of that, this encounter turns into her ministry. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Many Samaritans from the village believe in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear this message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. When a person has a Jesus encounter, the message spreads. When God does something for us and we have this intimate relationship, intimate experience with him, we need to tell others about it. We need to let that be our ministry. This is how the kingdom is spread. This is how God's message is spread. And you think about the fact that if we're all sitting here and we've all had our Jesus encounters, we have a story to tell. What is it that God has brought you through that needs to be your ministry now? Well, some of us have quite a story. For some of us, he has brought us through so much. The truth is he's brought us all through a lot. And you start thinking about that. You start thinking about what God has saved you from, what he has delivered you from, what he has brought you out of. That's a story. And others need to hear that. And we have a testimony this morning from one of our own. And she had a Jesus encounter and thank God she had it because she was on a road that was leading to nowhere. And when she needed it the most, God provided that person to help her out of her storm. That person could be you for somebody else. Maybe you can relate to her story. My name's Heather Torres. I've been attending and serving at Fellowship here for about 16 years. I am the youngest of three. We come from a very tight-knit family. We're still close to this day. It wasn't until high school until I really started thriving and like coming into my own. And I was an average student, maybe a little bit below average. Math still makes me cry. <laughs> but um, after I graduated, I moved about 30 miles away from my hometown. I was just wanting to get out on my own and, and have a job and, you know, get my own place before I decided if I was going to school or what I was really gonna do with my future. And so that's what I did. I moved to this town and I was still close enough to be able to go visit my parents and my friends and then also started meeting new friends. It was actually then that I started kind of being influenced by these new friends. It was the party scene, and so I started um, drinking, um, I started smoking, 
and drugs were introduced a lot of the time and at first I was like it was really easy for me to say no this was not my plan to stay there forever it was not my plan to get into that scene but then you know it's super true when they say that you become a product of your environment it's it's so important that you surround yourself with the right people. That's when things kind of took a turn for me in my life and I eventually gave in and curiosity made me try drugs for the first time and eventually it became a, a regular part of my life. The shame I had, I was so embarrassed that I didn't even tell my parents that I lost my job or that I lost my place. Eventually, I got in this relationship with a fellow user and ultimately moved in with him into his parents' basement. He was super manipulative and controlling and our relationship was based, of course, off of using. As time went on, it just, it, it got darker, it got deeper. I was constantly under his thumb I lost everything. I lost my family. They had to put up their boundaries with me because of me lying to them and using them for certain things and, and them enabling me for a while, but had to eventually just tell me that's enough. I lost my identity. I lost everything. And I remember one night just sitting there and thinking, I just want out of this. I just, I want to be done. I want my life back. I miss my family. Like, how did I even get here? How did I allow myself to get to this place? I prayed for the first time in a long time. And I just remember just begging and pleading with God to help me because I just wanted out and I didn't know how. It was at that very moment I felt just his love completely surround me. And he flooded my mind and my heart and with reminders of who I was and where I came from and that I'm still worth it and that it wasn't over and that everything is going to be okay. But I needed a miracle and so I just held on to this hope that, okay, God, you're going to provide a miracle for me and help me out of this. And, um, and he did exactly that. He provided a miracle for me and he placed a man at the exact moment, perfect moment, and he saved my life. And I was able to be taken out and I was able to leave this nightmare of a life that I was in and, and the mess that I had put myself in. And fast forward, you know, 20 years later, I'm still with him. And he is my amazing husband. And we have built a beautiful life together. We have been so blessed and we've raised two amazing children, one who has shipped off to the Navy and one who's now driving. And God has blessed us so much. And it was all because of God, all because of God, because he heard me. He listened to me and he cared enough when I cried out to him that night and reminded me of who I am and who I am in him. And he is capable of taking your deepest pain, your biggest mistakes and turning them into glory. And he'll take your biggest mess and he will turn them into your ministry. And he's given me the opportunity to um, minister and to lead worship and I don't deserve this. I don't feel like I deserve this, but it's not about how good we are. It's about how good He is. And He will and He can turn your deepest pains and your deepest struggles into victory and your ministry. And I'm living proof of that.
story look like that? Maybe not exactly, but man, it sure follows a parallel, doesn't it? He saved us from so much. 
Now, maybe you're here this morning and you haven't had your Jesus encounter yet. We want you to have that this morning. We want you to be able to be introduced to him and, and start a life with him and, and have that assurance of eternal life. So as, 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 as church family around you, because if you're here, we want you to be a part of our family. I wonder if you guys would help me as we just say the prayer of salvation so that those that are around you that maybe don't know Jesus will feel more comfortable saying this out loud too. If you guys will all just repeat after me and let's, let's ask Jesus into our lives and have that encounter together. So if you just repeat after me, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I recognize you are the son of God. That you died for me. And because of that, into my life now. I believe in you. Walk with me all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Now, a few years ago, we handed out these invite and ignite cards, and there was something that happened as a result of that that was so cool. So many Jesus encounters happened, and it's super simple. There's just five lines on the back. And what we did is we had our church family write down five people that we knew that needed a Jesus encounter, that, that didn't know him or maybe was, was running from him. And so what this is is a reminder for us to be praying for them, that they, they would find him, that they would come back. And so the, the stories around that were pretty incredible. In fact, I... I wrote down a guy and you know how this is where you write down somebody, you're going to pray for him for salvation. And you're like, it ain't going to work. They're never going to get saved. They're, they're a mess. Well, this guy was a tough nut to crack, but you know what? He got saved. He got saved. Yeah. If we want something to happen in the physical, we need to battle in the spiritual. And when you start praying for people to be saved, when you start praying for people to come back to Jesus, Holy Spirit goes to work, goes to work. And not only do we want to pray for these people, but ask that God might also allow you to be a part of their encounter. That he would start using you as a tool to lead people to the Lord. That he'd give you an opportunity to see people saved and, and be a part of that. So Lord, as we pray to you now, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just give us five names five names of people that we need to start interceding for. Five people that are running from you. Five people that need you. And we as a church family, we commit that we're gonna start praying for those guys. We're gonna, we're gonna put this on a mirror somewhere or someplace in the refrigerator where we're gonna see it every day. And we're gonna, we're gonna start praying that you would do a work in their life. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would loose Jesus encounters this room and for everybody that we can touch from this room. Grow your kingdom through us. We thank you for the opportunity, Lord, that we can do this, that we can be a part of this. So give us an opportunity, Lord. Give us a voice. Give us the strength and the wisdom to know what to say when the time comes. Help us to stay away from arguments about silly things and just give us the words. Give us the words to say as we lead people to you. Things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Go make the world a better place. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text the word fellowship to 94000 and connect with our staff today. Now, if you're in need of prayer, we'd love to support you. You can submit your prayer requests by texting prayer support to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. And as always, we're still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week in person or online.